0: We always wanted to dispel that urban legend that it was built on top of an Indian burial ground. <laughs> they never say that.
1: <laughs> that was the trailer before this movie came out, and I thought to myself, oh my god,
2: I cannot wait to see this movie. <laughs> they're, they're just a great example of why people love this movie because it's the blend of funny and scary all throughout it. And I'm a sucker for practical monsters, so.
0: Frightful things come in cramped spaces, this time on the Fright Club Podcast. Welcome. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and we're talking about closets. Ooh, tight quarters in there, scary things in and around on top. This should be fun, as we have a great special guest to talk about this uh, topic, who kind of inspired this topic, I guess. He did. Yeah, we'll get to that. I want to say thanks to everybody that came out, and we had a great crowd last time that came out for... Fright Club Live at Gateway Film Center where we talked about international folk horror and we watched a great slice of that on the big screen with November.
1: Yeah, the great Polish black and white gorgeous movie. Very weird one, November is. Katie said that she thought it was a cross between Jarmusch and Lynch, which explains why we love it so much. Yeah, I like that. I'm down. Yeah, that's a great one. Monty had no idea it was happening at any time, (laughs) but he still enjoyed it. And Michael said it was odd but lovely, and I think all of that sounds right.
0: Yeah, and we also want to finally thank, we've been meaning to do this for a while now and have just forgotten because we do that, but we want to thank David, David Gutter. He pointed out a few weeks ago that he couldn't find us, he couldn't find Fry Club on Spotify. And we had been on there, but we weren't, and we didn't know that. So there was a little bit of some some bookkeeping and email updates that I had to do, but we're back on there. So thank you, because that was that's a big Omission if we're not on Spotify, so we yeah. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we do. Thank you very much for that. And speaking of Dave, a whole other Dave, our friend uh, Phantom Dark Dave, has a new podcast called All Things Dave,
0: and you should check it out. I think he took a break from podcasting, didn't he?
1: Well, he's been on. He's been on a number of different podcasts, and he okay. has he has some guests on right now, which are super fun.
0: All right, and we have a nice. Uh, we've been teasing an announcement on this for a little while, but we've got a big announcement about uh, a couple of big events that we're going to be co-hosting here at the beginning of next month. We'll get to that toward the end of the podcast because we want to get to our special guest. This is a guy, a filmmaker that we've been a fan of for a while. We finally got to meet a few years ago at Nightmares Film Festival, which is always good to meet new friends, and we're glad that he is one of them. We welcome from Crazy Little Monster Productions, Timothy Troy. Welcome in.
2: Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for having me on.
1: We had wanted to have you on for a long time, and we were um, kicking around some different topic options, and then I saw one of your latest... Creepy cuts. So if you don't follow Crazy Little Monsters Productions on, on YouTube, you should. And they release these very, very short horror films every so often. And one of them, one of the more recent ones, was called Closet, which is what inspired our podcast.
0: Yeah. At first, the first couple of films that we knew from Tim were um, Ding Dong, Ding which dong. was great. So and then he went sort of the, uh, you'd call it a sci-fi angle for Abby, the next one, right, Tim? Yeah, I would, I would classify it as a sci-fi thriller, sci-fi horror. Exactly. And that was great. And now they've got these these creepy cuts. Now, do these come once a month?
2: We're going to do creepy cuts once every other month. Every other uh, month. We, we kind of cheated on the first one and, and did one every two months. But uh, from forward, they're going every once every two months.
0: Well, if you make the rules, you're allowed to break them. <laughs> That's true. We live by that. <laughs> and they're fun because a couple of them, just a minute long. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Closet actually, I think, comes in at 40 seconds or so, plus, you know, whatever the YouTube end screens are. So it's very easy to get through quickly.
0: Yeah, and and Uh, it it has a nice nice little creepy uh, closet-filled fright at the end, which uh, is—so if you haven't checked it out, I encourage that. And now, the new one that I just watched the other night is called Empty, and this is back to more of a sci-fi thing.
2: Yeah, we like to— we're mainly horror, but every now and then we'll we'll do something that's sci-fi inspired. Uh, Empty just premiered on Dust, actually, so uh, it's a nice little feather in our cap. That's the second movie we've had up on Dust. Nice. So, really excited about it. They've got a really big audience base, so it gets the crazy little monster vibe out to more people.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. I noticed on this one on Empty, you directed, you did not write it. Is that how it usually goes, or do you write some as well?
2: I write some of them. I usually prefer to have somebody else write the scripts uh, or to I usually prefer to write to direct movies from another script okay um, because I like having somebody else that's intimately involved in the story you know if you if you're writing and directing you are really the only person that is that involved with this story but when you have a writer involved in it too it's somebody else that's whose job is just to think about the story and it keeps you honest in a way that I think you don't necessarily if you wrote and direct the script the film yourself.
0: And how is this a, dist- a different challenge for you when you go so micro? I mean, a film of, of 60 seconds or so, is that a different challenge than you're used to?
2: It's an interesting challenge. You know, trying to make sure that you're telling a full story, trying to make sure that you're you telling, creating a whole world in something that short is, is definitely different. You know, when you have a longer piece, you can get a little more subtlety in a little more places. You have to do a lot more visually a lot faster with a micro short. But I... I do enjoy that and I enjoy mostly being able to get more of them out faster because I just like making movies. Well, yeah, said. they're
0: so fun. They they're fun. so fun. Yeah, again, it's crazy little monster productions and creepy cuts. By all means, check them out. So one of them, as Hope said, was closets. So that inspired this because right away, I think you as as you do, you had an instant five or six to think about uh, closets, and we started moving on that right away.
1: Yeah, we did, and and uh, luckily Tim was was uh, more than happy to jump in on those on those options. He has some great options himself. There are a handful that could easily have made this, this this could have been a 15. I mean, there are so many, <laughs> you know, because closets are so creepy. So there are a handful that didn't make the final list that I want to just give a nod to. The faculty has a great
0: closet scene, Us. Oh, yeah, Us. And us. That's, that's an important moment.
1: Yeah, it's a great closet scene. Your Next does, Annabelle Creation does, The Sixth Sense does, and both The Grudge and Ju-On The Grudge, all great, creepy,
0: Closet scenes, but not creepy enough to make the list. <laughs> but not creepy enough. All right, we've got a great list, and we have a lot of overlap, but not complete overlap, mm-hmm. right, which is good. So uh, great minds are sometimes thinking alike and and sometimes not. But you know what? That's one of the things I really like, too, about, about Tim, not only as, as a filmmaker, but, I always, Tim, I always like to hear— your take on movies especially the times when we disagree because you're you're very well informed and even if i don't agree about liking or, or or not liking a movie um you've always got a good argument
2: well that's very nice of you to say thank you and i would say that feeling is completely mutual because i always i always respect what you have to say again even if we're not on the same page like you know hope might kick me off the podcast right now but uh, <laughs> i'm not a say. texas chainsaw fan so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's a big one that's a big one <laughs> Where hope is concerned. No, that's all right. That is all right. So, um, well, we've got yeah, we've got five, and you've got five, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're going to let uh, Tim kick it off with one okay. from. Uh, looks like it's from two thousand five, correct? Oh, and I like this one too. No, you do.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going with the Amityville Horror, which has. It's a really great closet scene. Uh, it's where Lisa, the babysitter, takes the the kids, and she's telling them about the murders that were that happened in the house that they're now living in, and she gets locked in the closet and sees a ghost. I've always had a soft spot for this film. You know, again, I might get kicked off of podcasts somewhere, but uh, I think it's better than the original. Um, one of those rare remakes that actually does improve on its predecessor. Um, I think there's a nice progression to the scene where, you know, Lisa pays the price for mocking the dead and then she becomes, she goes from being a skeptic to a believer. So I always like scenes that that have that progression to them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I will say I'm not as big of a fan of this entire movie as you are, but I really like this moment. It's my favorite moment in the whole film.
1: It's, yeah. it, it helps that you know Chloe Grace Bret is she's so little and so and she's just so good. She's so good in this movie and really sells the sort of creepy kid sitting on the bed, not gonna let you out. Angle. Um, I do like the original. I like the I like the closet scene in the original. I like that the babysitter is a completely different babysitter. The the babysitter in the in the modern version is real cynical and kind of maybe. Uh, maybe a little bit of a bad girl, whereas in the original, she's just got the bad braids and she's got the headgear. That's what kills me is the headgear. <laughs> she's wearing headgear to babysit, to put her put this girl to bed. But it's um in, in the first one, it's much more in your own brain as to what's going on. You know, it's just sort of a lot of banging and let me out and let me out. Whereas in the new one, man, they, they go for the jugular. They're they're there to scare you with that scene.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: All right. That's good. That's Tim's number five from 2005. The uh, version of Amityville Horror. Moving up to ours, this is the classic. Our number five from 1982 A Family's Home, Closet and All, is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts and poltergeist. <laughs>
1: There are actually a number of closet scenes yeah. in this movie, and uh, and of course there's the one where the big comes out of it as they pull as they pull people through it. The one for me that I like the best is when only Carol Ann is in her room. And then, you know, it starts sucking things toward the closet and then you see her little body. And she's hanging on to her headboard and her little feet in pajamas are like out waving behind her like a flag. It's just terrifying. It's the scariest thing. And I know you love this one, Tim, because this was actually your number two.
2: Yeah. Uh, Poltergeist is is my favorite all time horror film. So wow. I, there's no way I couldn't have this close to the top. Um what I love about Poltergeist so much is it takes so many mundane things that people, especially kids, are scared of. You know, there's scary trees and there's thunderstorms, clowns, closets, uh, and they make them so much worse than you could imagine. Uh, anybody who's seen Ding Dong knows that I I love when people turn something innocuous into a really scary idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and taking a closet and turning it into a doorway in another dimension, that's Poltergeist doing that to a T.
0: Yeah, and apparently that scene, Hope, that you're talking about, that closet scene was the one— during the entire production, that scared little Heather O'Rourke.
1: Wow! Yeah, that
0: and Steven Spielberg had to shut things down and just calm her down. That one really freaked her out. Uh, and we can't with two things to mention with Poltergeist. It contains a Wilhelm scream, <laughs> so I'm always I'm always up for that. And we every time we talk about Poltergeist, we always want to dispel that urban legend that it was built on top of an an Indian burial ground. <laughs> they never say that. <laughs> it was not.
2: That's, that's not until the sequel, right?
1: I don't know that they ever say that. Well, they,
0: they don't in the some first of that one. In the, sequel. in the sequel they might? Yeah, they I don't so. in this one. For sure. But they just didn't move the bodies. Yeah,
2: that's uh, right. Not
0: Indian burial grounds. So that's yeah, that's a classic. That's number 5 and Tim's number 2 Poltergeist from 1982. So we're going back to Tim for his uh number 4 and this is from 1985.
2: Yeah, my number 4 is House. <laughs> Like Poltergeist, this is more than just one scene. It's it's actually like a fair portion of the film that revolves around the closet. Uh, I think it's a great example of how to do scenes like this. There's a lot of good fake-outs. There's playing on beats that the audiences are familiar with as, as Roger starts, you know, he thinks there's something in the closet and he opens it up and there's not. And he goes back and he comes, you know, they, they play with that suspense throughout until they actually lead up to seeing the thing, whatever whatever you call that thing in the closet. Um, and then you follow that with the comedy of Roger setting up cameras and avoiding George went over to help him catch the the raccoon that he claims is living in there. <laughs> and, um, they're, they're just a great example of why people love this movie, because it's the blend of funny and scary all throughout it. And I'm a sucker for Practical Monsters. So Agreed. This
1: movie is pretty much slept on. I mean, I just don't think that people uh, have the love for it that they do for kind of Campy eighties horror comedies, and and they ought to. It is really very funny and really, I think, c- clever in a way that is sort of primal. I mean, the the idea of like you know you you've moved into the wrong house that's incredibly common in horror films. But I think that they do things here, like you said, you feel like it's treading familiar ground, but it does it in a way that is um, consistently clever and kind of startling.
0: Totally agree. Also, I think it's one of my most fun. Movie posters. Yeah, it's a great poster. Really like that. <laughs> got me, got me right away. But, that uh,
2: poster has to go down on the, you know, in the Hall of Fame for video cassette covers that you remember walking through the aisles. As you know, this this will date everybody listening here, but you know, as you walk through the aisle of a video store, House was one of the things that really stuck in my brain. It's got that great tagline. It's got the you know the severed hand ringing the doorbell. Right. Um, it's it's just one of those iconic posters.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's a, an area where those of us of a certain age can feel sorry for today's kids that you didn't get that thrill of just walking, perusing the boxes, right? <laughs> and right. seeing oh, yeah. covers like that.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's like you you could be a kid who is way too young to watch those movies, but you still got a little thrill out of seeing the covers. Even as you know, even as like a five or six year old just wandering through the video store. You I think that's where a lot of us even dipped our toes into wanting to watch horror movies is getting the thrill in the video store.
0: No question. Oh no question at all. Exactly. So maybe we'll do that. We haven't done posters before, I haven't movie no, posters. We haven't. Maybe that's start start working on it. <laughs> but no, we're talking closets, and that is uh, Tim's number four from 1985. House. That's a goodie. Another classic for us at number four. And actually, this is Tim's number one. So uh, yeah, we're we're loving this. This is the classic from 1978. Fifteen years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, Michael Myers escapes the original Halloween. <laughs>
2: so for me there's there's no comparing closet scenes to this uh it's the most iconic closet scene in horror history for me it's got the first of the big three slashers, and it's got the ultimate final girl in it, Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's just a downright scary scene. You know, she's she's trapped in there. She's terrified. Jamie Lee Curtis gives a fantastic performance selling all that. John Carpenter holds the suspense as long as he can, and then he ratchets it up as Michael Myers breaks through. And in perfect final girl fashion, Laurie Strode uses her environment to get herself out of the problem when she grabs the coat hook and uses it as a weapon to defend herself. It's got yeah. everything you could ask for for me.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I love the fact that as the final girl she's still she's she's problem solving she's working through it and yeah finding a way to buy some more time with that coat hanger
1: I also love the sound. I love the sound design in this yeah. because of the clankety-clank of the of the wire hangers and the and the breathing and, of course, her sort of whimpering. I think that the sound design is very um, uh, creepy and close and claustrophobic. And then the way that the kind of light comes through the slats and the louvered yeah. doors. I mean, yeah. it's very, you know, it's very Carpenter. It's very, I mean, it's just incredibly well shot. It's shot well from within the closet to give you that sense of cramped space. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. And then, you know, when he when he sticks his head in just that lifeless mask is I mean, you know, it's just one of it is it's one of the great scenes. I'm glad that you had it at number one because somebody needs to. And I knew I was going to get in trouble that I don't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he does a great job. Carpenter does a great job of pulling us in there into the closet with her and really making it. You know, the tight, cramped space is one thing, but then the fact that hes you know he's going to get come in there. You know it, and and good point about the lighting as well and the sound. And you hear a little bit of the, when it goes in his eye, a little bit of squish. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is important. Uh, yeah, that is yes. a classic, classic. And really just part of a, an entire segment uh, of the chase between the two of them. That's the, that's the iconic closet scene. And that's why it's Tim's number one. And our number four is, I Hope found, what, three others better than this. Well, well, let's see. All right, so let's go to... Uh, that sounds
1: like a challenge, George.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, so are we going back to... Oh, no, our th- number three is the same. Is that yes. right, Bo? Okay, we're number three. Uh, we're thinking alike on this one. And this is from 2002, a journalist investigating a mysterious videotape in the ring.
1: She was close with you. And Aiden. She confided in you. Yeah, but she never said anything. Nothing that would explain what happened.
2: You could find out. It's what you do, isn't it? Ask questions.
0: Rachel, please.
2: I saw her face.
1: It's a funny thing. We talked about this for the longest time after this movie came out. Like I think it was a month later that I realized it wasn't rated R. I couldn't get over that. I thought, "What? No, that's definitely a scary movie. Children should not be allowed to see this movie." The Ring was so scary, and the first moment that was really, truly, just sort of jaw-droppingly terrifying was that image of Amber Tamblyn in the closet when, and you know, and and uh, and Naomi Watts and her sister are talking in the kitchen, and and she, and the mom is just, you know. I saw her face and then just for a split second so did we and oh my god that moment was so scary
2: That's the first time we see any the results of Samara's attacking right mm-hmm. Yeah 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 that's I think that's part of what makes it so effective is that they've only talked about it they've only you know built up this myth until that point and it's it's just a fantastic reveal and it's all the better because you know you're talking about the conversation that Naomi Watson and her, her sister are having and it's so different in location and tone Yeah the still conversation in the kitchen that's you know and then you cut to what is essentially just a big jump scare but that's what makes it work so well
0: yeah and it's a fan it it works as a fantastic jump scare as well yeah the the whiplash tone because they're talking about it's very solemn it's very quiet and then she just lowers the boom i saw her face yeah Yeah, it's it's so so effective in researching uh, a little bit on this i found One internet comment about it that said, uh, yeah, they did a good job, but I think it's only fair they pay my therapy bills because of that scene. (laughs) 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 That commenter was. I think that's about right. And then, as as shocking as it is, it's gone so fast, you want to see it again. And so, of course, they give you it again later, but they make you wait, and it's always in the back of your mind through the rest of that movie, I think.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, then uh, there's so many things about this movie that that work really well. As you've always said, the videotape itself, the images on the videotape are very creepy and that's necessary. But I think there's an image like in the back of the audience's head when she agrees to dig into this and then she exposes her own son to this. Like, we know what the end result really is. And we're thinking, I think you've made a bad decision. Like, don't risk this. What are
2: what what, did you see that face? Right. It's kind of like a Hitchcock bomb in that respect. Right. Like, right. It's under the table. But the people sitting at the table don't know. It's just the audience that knows. That's a good point.
0: And apparently, I haven't tried this, but apparently I found that if you play the movie frame by frame, the exact moment when Katie is scared to death at the beginning, they show you all the images that appear on the video very quickly if you go frame by frame.
1: Oh ho I've not tried that either.
0: Sounds like a date night. I don't know. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but that's a good one. It's so quick. It's such a jolt. But, man, you remember it Pretty much forever, as we have, from 2002, The Ring. Number three on our closets uh, in horror movies. So we're going up to number two. Oh, we talked about uh, Tim's number two. That was our number five, Poltergeist, right? Yep. Right, so we're going to our number two, and this is from 2013. Another one of our favorites, obviously. Our number two from 1976, a shy, friendless teenage girl, sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashes her powers in Carrie.
2: No, Mom. Oh Mom! Don't no. lie to me. Don't you know by now? I can see inside you. I can see the sin as surely as God I can. Well, we'll pray. No. We'll pray, Sarah. woman. No. Pray to no. Jesus. No. no. Lots of singing no. songs. No. no. God no. no. visiting no. cursed. No. This was like. No. God no. 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 visiting no. the second No. And this was a present childbearing. Let me go about payment, sweat and, and blood. No. A <laughs> <terrific student. laughs>
1: the first closet scene in Carrie is the first time that we get a real sense of what is up. Like what how horrible Carrie White's life is and how horrible uh, her mom is. And Piper Laurie, of course, just gloriously over t- the top. She's so great in this whole movie. And when she just keeps reading from the Bible and you're like, where is this going to go? Where is this going to go? And, and also Sissy Spacek is just... She's so shell-shocked as a human being, and it's, it's hard to accept her as a character until this scene is when you think, no, she, she's a very fucked up human being, and this is why. But then once she, she puts her in that closet to reflect on her own sin—of course, her own sin is just having started her period, which is not a sin at all. It sucks, but she didn't do anything wrong. And then she's stuck in this closet with the, just the most grotesque and horrifying crucifix ever— and she's ba- she's beating on the door, and she wants to come out because you know it, because it's a terrifying, but it's in such a different way. I mean, it's there's there's nothing um, you know spectral dread. There's nothing you know other dimensional. It's just it's just her life in that closet. And and it, for me, that's just really it's a powerful film. It's a powerful scene, but it also I think clarifies these two characters so beautifully.
2: I would agree completely with that. One thing that I think the seventy eight I'm sorry, seventy six version. One thing I think the '76 version does better than the remake, which I haven't seen, I just kind of watched these two scenes together, is the the '76 version doesn't dwell on this quite so much. Like you you are in there in the remake a lot longer, mm-hmm. and I think the the original version lets you just sit on the outside door when Carrie gets slammed in it, and you you hear her pounding on the door, but you don't. It doesn't like make you live in there with her. And I think that actually is a little bit creepier because she's she's Terrified in there, and we know this is we learned that this has happened to her before, and it will probably happen to her again. But you're allowed to imagine what's going on in there more. And knowing that what this story is, that you know, after you've seen it a couple of times, you know that there might be some like some telekinesis or something going on in there that she's that's going on in her head. So it, it makes the terror more visceral by having to imagine what's going on in there rather than seeing it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think um, I think I like the remake better than you do, Hope, um, but I agree with that. And I also like in the original here, there's a more—for me, there was more of a like a build-up because it's one of the things that uh, Mrs. White talks about, one of her rituals, and she says, go to your closet. And you hear about it. Oh, what's what's in the closet? You know, you go to your closet and, and and repent or whatever she says, and then drags her there, and she's screaming and screaming. And no, I didn't do anything. And you're you're like you said, hope you're 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 heartbroken even before you're in there.
1: Yeah, she drags you by her hair. Yeah, yeah. It's a bad. Yeah. It's a bad scene. And it's and it's yeah. I I, I just have always thought it's a very. It is. I think you use heartbreaking. That it is. It's a heartbreaking scene, but it's still really scary.
0: And you're right about when they show. What's in there? Yeah. Like things on the walls, and they photograph him just so. You know, De Palma, the shadows or the angle, camera angle that he chooses is most creepy. Most creepy.
1: Yeah, because we revisit the closet uh, throughout the film, but it's the first one. And I think you're right, Timothy. It's the, it's the slam and just the crying, and you know she's in there, and you, you're you not really in there with her. So she's alone. Yeah, it's a, it's very sad.
0: Yes. Sad and creepy. Creepy in the closet of Carrie. That's our uh, number two from 1976 All right, we talked about, uh, well, we talked about Tim's number one, which is Halloween, right? So we go up to uh, our number one, and this is from 2013. Oh, this is definitely, we talked about this closet for a while after we first saw this movie. Uh, Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. The original Conjuring...
1: I think James Wan is just a master of practical scares. You know, just just old-fashioned, boo, kind of scares. And this was one that, you know, is such a misdirection. You hear this knocking, and this girl just keeps walking into the closet door, the closet door. And, I mean, to be fair, it's a big wardrobe, not your traditional closet. Um, and and then there's just that. And it's funny, too, that two of these have been outright jump scares, which are, generally speaking, not our favorite. But, man, when they're executed well. Right. You know, and that's, that's what this one is. And I've told this story before where... My sister just about ripped the flesh off my arm. I went to see this movie with my sister. I had seen it. She had not yet. And she had both hands, like, wrapped around my arm during this as you knew that the tension was rising and rising. And at that last jump scare moment when you see what's going on with the closet, she about, she about tore my arm apart.
0: Yeah, and as, as you said, uh, Tim, a little bit ago about practical effects, it's just so much better. I remember thinking about how... If they would have tried to do something with CGI for that, it would have just have taken so much away from it. Even though you really don't see what's on top of the Bureau there very long, boy, it is so effective. And I think the fact that it's practical effects just adds to that.
2: Totally agree. And I, you know, hope you got it right. There's this is a master class on how to do a jump scare. And there's nothing wrong with jump scares. I mean, that's part of why we go to scary, right. scary movies, right? Like you you want that physical thrill sometimes too you don't get that physical thrill without the build-up of suspense which they do really really well in this scene you know it it is undeniably freaky effective filmmaking
0: yeah that's right we talk about jump scares and we talk about well even right now when you look at the upcoming oscars you've got a film up for an oscar that's a, a real great example of formulaic filmmaking done right in coda you know you can also many times you can detract a movie for being formula, but here's an example where it's done really well. The same way here. Uh, jump scares, like you said, Tim, are not a bad thing. And you want to see them done well. Here they are.
1: I mean, there are so many of them actually throughout this movie. Uh, that The the scene, it's not the closet, it's the basement scene, but the the clapping in the basement scene, which I remember that was the trailer before this movie came out. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I cannot wait to see this movie. <laughs> um, there are so many moments in Conjuring that are just, that are, they're just old fashioned Uh, well-made, spooky movie moments.
0: Yeah, and you were talking about uh, The Ring getting a PG-13 rating. This one is rated R, but there's no sex and nudity, very little profanity, mostly bloodless violence, and it's got its R based on scare factor alone.
1: Well,
2: it was scary. It was. It still (laughs) is. Uh, I think that's some marketing. That's some good marketing right there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it is. It is scary. And that's one where if I'm flipping channels and it's on, especially if it's just about to go to that closet yeah. scene, I'm going to leave it on. I'm yeah. going to see that. Just
1: the original. The I mean, the yeah. sequels are, are. I mean, of course, they get, they get less interesting as they go along, and they're all fine. But the original,
0: I will still stick it out. Yes, always. And that is our number one closet creep out from 2013, The Conjuring. And, uh, boy, we've got some good ones there. And even in ones where... Didn't quite make it. There were some good ones in there, too, and you're also Rans.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a bunch. There's a bunch because closets are scary.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So we were talking about a couple of big events we've got coming up here soon, and this is going to be fun. The first, well, the first two days of April, we're going to get to co-host two screenings with Deborah Foreman coming into Columbus, Ohio, on April 1st. I'm going to show, of course, April Fool's Day with Deborah Foreman, and she's going to do a Q and A after and an autograph signing as well. And that is going to be at Studio 35 in Columbus. And then the next night, April 2nd, we're going to be back with Deborah Foreman.
1: Yeah, we're going to be at the Grandview Theater and we're going to watch Valley Girl and talk about that movie. So that's really fun. I'm excited to get to do that. They're both late night screenings. They're both at yep. 1130
0: p.m. No, the first uh, 1130 on the first and 11 on the second. OK, so just a little bit different. And from what I understand, this is the first she's done conventions, but she's never done theatrical showing standalones before. She's just starting to get, to get into it. And we have her first.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to do it. I'm excited for both of those. I love both of those movies.
0: But even before that, we've got another big event coming up at Gateway Film Center on Wednesday, March 30th. We're going to celebrate somebody having a brand new novel out.
1: That's right. It's me. I do. It's called Roost, and it's a coming-of-age horror novella, and we're going to kind of do a book launch at Gateway, our home away from home, our beloved Gateway Film Center. So come out. I'm going to read some passages from it. You can pick up a copy. I'll sign it. We'll have some beers. It'll be super fun.
0: It will be. Looking forward to that. And we've got all the uh, info there. You can find all the info on these events on our main website madwolf.com and our socials MadWolfColumbus Columbus on Facebook and Instagram and you can get us on Twitter at Fright Club Pod. So we mentioned Tim's Crazy Little Monster Productions, but uh, what else you got going? What else you got cooking? Where else can we find you?
2: You can find me on Facebook is usually the easiest way if you just want to get a hold of me. Uh, crazy Little Monster is also up there. Um, I'm always open to have conversations about movies, so hit me up.
0: Yeah, and the new one that just just came out is empty, and that is, is on Dust, but we can look forward to more of these creepy cuts throughout the months, right?
2: Yeah, the next one will be out end of April. It's called Safe and Sound.
1: And that the best way to find all of those is to follow you, to subscribe to your
2: YouTube channel, which is? Crazy Little Monster. U- YouTube slash Crazy Little Monster. It's got its own name up there. So,
0: Are you going to tell us what inspired that name?
2: Uh, the name is inspired by my dog. Actually, <laughs> um, we, we called love- her the Crazy Little Monster for years before I started, you know, making the short films. And uh, my buddy Dan, who edits everything and has written a couple of films for us too, um, he was like, "Well, what are you going to call this production company? We got to put something on the title of this movie." I was like, "All right, we'll call it Crazy Little Monster because that's what we call the dog."
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, they're always they're always fun. I always love when you put up a new one. Uh, even even sixty seconds worth, they give you a nice fright. A nice scare at the end, so definitely check him out. We can't thank you enough, Tim. I know we've been trying to get you on here for a while, so it was a kick. We always appreciate your input and some good choices on these closets.
2: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. I was happy we got to do it. Me too. Yay!
0: All right, so check Tim out at Crazy Little Monster, and uh, check us out if you can. Keep in touch if you can. We always love to keep the conversation going. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Take us out, Tim. Stay frightful, my friends.
2: I'm used to hearing Elvira
0: say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>